0: Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night. In New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, March 26, 2023, coming at you live from Floyd Media in Rockville Center. Another spectacularly wonderful show coming up for you tonight. Mr. Chris King, the Islanders radio voice, the play by play man himself, will be joining us back in the studio with me, Mr. Stefan Rosner of The Hockey News, Ooh. joining me tonight. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, Stefan, how you been, bud?
1: Nice to have you back. I've uh, never been better. Is that uh, right? Yeah, no, life, life's great. Can't complain. Loving the new job, and uh, just keep it going here. Great stuff. So, welcome back to the program,
0: ladies and gentlemen. Before we dive in, I want to remind you all of our fantastic sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho, Turnpike, in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue, Indies Islip, and, of course, UBS Arena, at Belmont. And a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Don't forget, folks, we've got a big viewing party coming up next Sunday, a week from tonight. The Islanders will be taking on Carolina in Carolina, game time at 6, Hockey Night New York pregame show at 5 p.m., Prizes, raffles, giveaways, all the same fun stuff going on over there. The Stable Shaker, American Ale, as well as as all the fantastic Lost Farmer offerings. Going to be a great time there. And also a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington. More about them later. But Stefan... Just as I said, you got yourself a new gig. So why don't we start there, buddy? How what's how's it feel to be working for the Hockey News? What's going on?
2: Oh,
1: it's incredible. Um, the Hockey News, obviously, everyone grew up knowing the magazine. It's yeah. been around since I don't know World War II, probably. I don't know, a long time. And, <laughs> sure, uh, yeah, okay. No, but the cool thing is, I hey, got can to, we check on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, stat check. Um, source. No, uh, working with Stan has been, you know, it's only been a week, but I mean, this guy, the wealth, and he's turning ninety-one, and yeah, he's it's still amazing. Not only does he still do it, he loves doing it. Yeah. Um, he's doing these reaction pieces after games, some, um, uh, alumni stuff. So it's really cool to just learn from him. Cause again, he's the maven. He's been around forever. <laughs> well,
0: big congrats to you. Appreciate that is it. awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, I've been following the hockey news since before social media was a thing, you know, Trot- so. I mean,
1: tr- I don't, you're not the same age as trots, but I know last year we were talking, <laughs> no. I don't think so. Right. The uh, last year we were not. talking to trots and he said that he used to wait up for that monthly magazine because he lived right. in Manitoba. He had to wait for it. Sure. Stan, Stan would be writing it and obviously the press box is named after Stan Fister. So it's really cool, especially for someone who wasn't a, alive during the the dynasty, any of that stuff. Stan's pretty much how you learn all about that stuff. Sure. So, and the book, you know, A to Z. Yeah. That's a big
0: one. He so also did out. the, I think it was the intermission, one of the intermissions yeah. for the book as well. So... Yes, it's great to see Fishler still going, but but big congrats to Appreciate you. That it. is that is awesome. And uh is there gonna be any changes to the
1: content to the coverage, or pretty much uh same same thing, just so, a new banner? Yeah, so pretty much I'm doing the beat stuff and some columns and stands whatever he wants to do, and we'll we have a lot of stuff planned for the summer too, and it'll be really cool for Islander fans for sure.
2: Very cool. All right, awesome. So by the way, it's uh, nineteen forty seven, so post World War Two. Hey, okay, founded, the there we go, Ed on the stats. By Ken McKenzie. Not many Will years Copen.
1: after though. I, I was not far no, no, off. I mean, yeah. that's
2: that's as close as it yeah, gets. Yeah, give or take a decade
1: or yeah, something whatever. like that. No, I don't know.
2: <laughs>
3: it's all it's right. Two years,
2: give or
1: take a two
3: year. Years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, great start. Appreciate so, it. So, so good stuff there. So, why don't we start talking about the aisles a little bit? We were we were chatting a little bit before the show here, and and kind of this whole. I don't know. There's a little bit of like, you know, the shadow of, of, of uncertainty behind Matt Barzell coming back to the lineup. Now you have some players in the locker room kind of speaking as if it's, it's a foregone conclusion that he will be back. We have no idea when there hasn't been any sort of, you know, uh, mentioning of him skating on his own. Uh, you know, if he's doing it in the, you know, in the back rink somewhere or something like that. But um, what's going on, Matt Barzell? Do we have an update? When do we think this guy is actually going to reappear on the ice for the New York Islanders?
1: It's a very, very great... Qu- we don't even know what the injury is. and it, you know, Well, do we ever? No, but I mean, you know, you look at the replay and obviously got hurt in that game against Boston, Craig Smith. They didn't look like much. So you wonder, okay, could it be severe? We saw him at a practice probably a couple weeks ago now. He was just watching. He was standing. He was walking right. around. No limp. So
0: okay. That's a positive. He could right. have had a
1: brace on. He had baggy sweatpants on. Okay. Um, But... Yeah, we don't know when he's coming back. We asked Elaine every day. He says he's not skating on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, a page the other day, I wanted to read the quote. He ended it with, I think everyone's just excited that he's going to be back. So he's going right. to be back. The question is, is he back for the regular season? Is he back mm-hmm. for the third round of the playoffs? You know, when is he coming back? Because they've been good without him, but you saw these last two games where mm. they, they do need him back. You know, whoever, <laughs> anyone that's looked at it and said mm. the Islanders don't need bars mm. at all, uh, Yeah, you got to figure it out because that's clearly wrong I get it they were having success without him they played more of the trot style because they don't have that creative guy that goes east west but you kind of think like after these last two losses are they on borrowed time with the wingers that they have again Holmstrom and Bailey aren't cutting it you're separating your fourth line and Lambert doesn't want to separate his lines like that second and third line right second and third line Nelson's line and Pajot's line have been clicking you know are there guys on that line that probably play better with Horavan and Lee sure but to break those two lines up right now, it doesn't make sense. And Horvat's kind of getting the Barzal treatment where it's, hey, we're going to focus on the other three lines.
0: Mm.
1: We trust your skill enough to just rotate someone on that line for a while. We saw it with Barzal mm. for years. So, right. again, right. It's, it's not working for Horvat right now. And I know we'll get into Horvat. Yes. But, you know, you're getting to a point where you do need him back. And again, this is a guy that, you know, his whole game is skating, skid stops, turning, all that kind of stuff. And it's a lower body injury. So, if he's going to come back, it's not going to be... He's going to just appear for a game. I feel like he's got... He, he's one of those guys where he's got a test that he could skate. Sure. So, I mean, we're assuming... He hasn't officially been on the ice. I would think he stepped on the ice. You do? Just stroll around just to just to test the knee. Because, again, sure. that's how he's going to find out. I don't okay. think he's actually full-on skating yet. Right. But, again, it's got to be a positive that his teammates are saying he's coming back.
0: Yeah, you have to wonder why they would even be saying that if it wasn't the case. And also... You figure the Islanders are kind of be like, hey, guys, could you chill? Talking about Matt Barzal <laughs> coming back. Right, right. If if there wasn't something to that, right? Because they don't want to look like clowns if the guy never ends up, you know, touching the ice. I mean, sure, there could be a setback or something like that. But I guess you can take some sort of positivity in the fact that these guys are saying, yeah, you know, we're looking forward to having him. Now, whether that's game 80, game 82, or game one, if they get there, you know, remains to be seen. But it seems like it's heading in a direction we all want. And just to kind of double up on what you were saying about them needing him back, you know, especially looking at these last two games, which we'll get into. But, look, it's, it's, it's definitely a positive thing to see that the Islanders performed so well for a good amount of time while yeah. he was out, right? They were able to kind of pick up the slack, and they were getting scoring from all over the all over the roster, maybe not Bo Horvat, but, you know, pretty much up and but down. that's the positive. Right, exactly. They were still able to take care of business, even when now probably your biggest offensive weapon, you know, maybe you make an argument with Brock Nelson. Yeah. But one of your bigger weapons here, who's, who's kind of not, you know, put, getting things done on the score sheet – but, like, at the end of the day, this team is still better with Matt Barzell in the lineup. It's not like he's going to show back up and go, oh, what do we do now? What kind of hockey are we going to play now? Guess we're
1: going to play worse.
0: Right, right. Like, yes, it, they've done well without him. He slots in. He's going to come back on that right wing with with Horvat and probably Anders Lee still. Yeah. And he's just going to add a dynamic that it's been missing since he's been gone. Because obviously Simon Holmstrom and Josh Bailey recently, they're not the guys that are going to get that done. And it, it hasn't worked in a, in a short sample size for Bailey coming back. But, you know, this is a guy who's going to help the still dreadful power play.
1: And we'll get to that too. we got right. some numbers on that.
0: Right. So, like, I, I think any fan who, who may still be worried about how Matt Barzell's return is going to affect, you know, their, their mojo... Um, I, I would dial that back, especially seeing that look they lost a couple. Now it's like, hey, maybe you know this is a guy they need. When you're when you're being held, you know to a, a you know to scoreless against the Buffalo Sabres, right? But um, hopefully it's sooner than later, and he's he's gonna help when he's back, no question. About
1: and it. And I think if he comes back, he will be as close to hundred percent as possible. But at the same time, even if he's not, he has a slump to start. He's automatically going to get attention from the other team's defense. Like, it's going to, I know Horvat's right. had the chances and he hasn't scored, and Lee's had chances. That line's had chances for sure, but Barzal just, you need two eyes on him. And that just creates more time and space. Again, Horvat understands how to play with Barzal. It was evident when they were together. Now it's more of, you know, Horvat is getting those chances, but he's also getting now more pressure on him from defense. They don't have to worry about that right winger, whether it's Bailey or Holmstrom, because they know that those guys aren't those top guys.
0: Right, and not only when those guys are on the ice and whoever the opposition has matched up against them, but then also there's going to be more of a focus on those guys, like you said, which is going to, in theory, open things up for you know lines like the, the Nelson, yeah. Paul, Mary, Engvall lines. So maybe those guys can continue to have success when you know, you're know you kind of spreading the, the defensive efforts of the opposition out a little bit because you have another big offensive weapon to worry about when he comes back. So, like, you know, hopefully sooner than later.
1: Yeah, and then, again, that Nelson line, the, the way they've been able to play with Engvall and Palmieri, that changes everything because the top D pairs on the other team have to decide, okay, right. are we getting Barzal, are we getting the Nelson line? And I, and I personally would think you'd go after the Nelson line right, right now. now. Right yep. now, you'd have to. Yep. And, but then again, if you do that, Barzal could exploit that second or third pairing that gets up against them. And, again, that's how, these, that's how the, this Islander team is going to have to win.
0: Right, and it would be nice to get some sort of update from the team yeah, itself. It's, like it's, it's one thing to have the players say, yeah, can't wait to have him back. But it would be nice if you hear something from Lambert or, or whomever just saying, hey, look, he's made some progress. You know, they don't got to give us a date. <laughs>
1: they don't gotta, I don't think there is a date. I was right. asked, too. I think uh, Ethan Sears of the New York Post asked, mm-hmm. is, there a time, like, is there a date that you want him back by? And, they, and Lambert said, no, we just got to see how it's going. Lambert keeps saying he's closer. I think we're just going to keep asking him every day because we have to and one day he's just going to say he's skating and then then you'll know okay if he if he once he starts skating i don't think it's going to be long before we see him mm-hmm. i don't think he's going to be on the ice the first day that he's back with the group but i think hey he's skating and then maybe the next day or two cuz they don't have that many practices left mm-hmm. so it's going to be a morning skate that we'll probably see him like we saw with clutterbuck in, in pittsburgh or Peugeot. so
0: yeah i mean it's it's hopefully there's just more and more information leaks out but we know how you know not only islanders but nhl teams work where they kind of just You know, operate in the shadows, and for whatever reason, they don't want to give this stuff up. Whether that's you know messing with potential opponents' heads, you know, on on, you know coming in, they don't want to know who they're putting in. Like you see the mind games that are sometimes done with the goaltenders too, right? Yeah,
1: because other teams are not game planning for both goalies to be in the (laughs) net. No, they're not watching film on the other guy. They're only one. I mean, it is what it is. I I kind of get it to an extent where, yeah, if I'm a coach, why would I give them any kind of advantage? But at the same time, that team is doing their due diligence on both goalies. It's not like they are pinpointing on one, but. That's why the Honors want to do business. There's probably positives to it. And, you know, fans want answers. Fans want to know. Fantasy, too. Fantasy sports. I know sure. some a lot of people got screwed the other day when uh, Varlamov didn't start against Columbus oh. because I, I got a lot of questions people ask me who's starting got to pick it up because it's fantasy playoffs right, right now right and right. if you're relying on Sorokin uh, <laughs> to be in net or Varlamov and they're not and you lose yeah
0: that's well I, I, I hate to break it to fantasy <laughs> hockey players out there but Lane Lambert is not worried no. about your fantasy hockey team so you're just going to have to plan accordingly there but that was a quick first 12 13 minutes so folks want to thank you all for tuning into to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and your favorite podcast providers later on we're going to take a quick break when we come back voice of the Islanders radio network. Mr. Chris King will be joining us. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Iceland. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, party breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero.
2: for giving some time to our sponsors
0: ready to talk more aisles the train rolls on right here on hockey night in new york that's right ladies and gentlemen the train rolls on here at hockey night in new york and joining us on the line right now islanders radio play-by-play voice mr chris king chris thanks for coming back on the show how you been I'm great.
4: How
0: are you guys doing? Doing great, doing great. I'm here with Stephen Rosner of the of the hockey news now. <laughs> so, Chris, not the best week for the New York Islanders. It no. started out well. Obviously, the seven-two drubbing against the Leafs. Everybody is feeling really, really nice. Uh, nice little offensive output there. And then a couple of days go by, a couple of the games in hand, you know, get caught up with, with Pittsburgh and Florida. That's looking good, too. So everybody's feeling really good going into this weekend, Friday uh, against Columbus, and obviously yesterday against the Buffalo Sabres. And it doesn't go their way. They they get in their own way again, where they start off slowly against these teams. They're kind of, you know, they're giving up a lot of shots on goal in the starts of these games. So, I mean, look, we're, we're down to less than 10 games to go here in this season, and, and this Continued narrative of the New York Islanders having a hard time coming out of the gate ready to play is still a problem. What do you make of that and just the performance they had over this weekend?
4: Yeah, it's tough. As you said, Sean, you know, you only get one out of four points in this time of year that's just a killer. And, you know, you're looking at Columbus obviously last in the NHL and uh, you know, Lane Lambert kind of warned us before the game saying, Hey, you know, don't take these guys lightly. Um, you know, you look back at the season series, the Islanders had won all three games against them, but all three by one goal, uh, one of those in overtime, two in regulation. And, and some of those goals, Columbus uh, games, Columbus had nine guys out of the line about injured. So, uh, you know, I still looked at it as a good point because they were down four two going into the third. And, you know, you get it to overtime. Anders Lee takes a late penalty. It's really tough on the kill four on three there. So I know it's Columbus, and and, uh, and some people may not agree that it was a good point. But any game you're trailing by two into the third, and you get a point, all right. You know you extended the point streak. You got one on the road, and then you come back home, and yeah, they just didn't have it in the first period last night. You know I thought the saber uh, the uh, the Sabers were all over them in that first period. I thought they righted the ship a bit in the second period. Uh, Semyon Varlamov was terrific. The Islanders had some great scoring chances. Engvall on that two on one. Uh, Dobson hitting the post and. And then, of all people, it's Kyle Poso who had, you know, it was a very fluky goal. If you, if you slow it down and watch it, you know, he's just sliding it along the ice. It hits the right skate of Varley, it hits the left post, and it skitters across the goal line, and that's the game. So, uh, you know, to me, the Sabres looked at that as that was their season. That was, you know, the, the classic four point swing game where they came in nine points down to the Islanders. If they lose, they're 11 points out and they're probably done. If they win, they're seven points out. They still might be done, but at least they feel like you know, they have some life. So, um, you know, kudos to them. They got the two points. But yeah, when you're only getting one point out of four on the weekend, uh, you got to put it behind you quickly because, you know, it doesn't get any easier this week.
0: Yeah. When you when you when you look at it that way, I mean, this is a real opportunity for the New York Islanders to maybe get not too comfortable, but like it would have looked really nice, especially with with what was a Florida going down Saturday night. Right. And you're looking at I think it would have been what a six point Lead on on Florida if they had taken the win against Buffalo. I mean, yeah, I agree with you that it was a it was a good point against Columbus. The fact that they came back, like I think everybody would have been able to forget about that game a little a little more quickly if they had taken care of business against Buffalo last yeah. night. And with that not happening, I mean, they really didn't do themselves any favor because now it kind of looks like this is going to be a dogfight to the end, where maybe they could have exhaled just a little bit, at least as far as the playoff spot went. Obviously, they want that seven spot now, but but it looks like it's going to be a race to the end here, huh?
4: Yeah and like you said Sean you want that first wild card spot you know what nobody wants to face the Boston Bruins in the first round it doesn't matter you know who you are uh, they may end up having the most wins of any team in NHL history in the regular season before this one's out so i don't think anybody wants that Bruins matchup that first wild card means you're going to get Either the uh, Carolina Hurricanes or the New Jersey Devils. And, you know, nothing against those two teams, but they're certainly a preferred opponent when the Boston Bruins are the other choice. So, um, you know, they got to keep pushing. Again, they're still in that first wild card spot with eight games to go. Penguins just one point back. Panthers four points back now. And I'm still keeping. You know, Florida and Washington, uh, or rather Buffalo and Washington in that mix, uh, in my mind anyway, for two reasons. Washington obviously has two head-to-head games remaining against the Islanders. Those are the only two games the Islanders have left that are still against the seven teams in this chase, if you really want to include everyone. So the Caps are hanging their hat on those two games down in D.C., And for Buffalo, I'm not sure if people realize it, but the Islanders actually close out their season April 12th against Montreal. The Sabres play the next night, April 13th against Ottawa, and then again the next night, Mm. April 14th in Columbus, a game that was uh, canceled earlier this year due to that storm in Buffalo where the Sabres couldn't get to Columbus. So, you know, you could have this bizarre scenario where the Islanders are actually the first team in the NHL to finish the regular season. On that night of April Mm. 12th, they finish first. They're done. Everybody else is still playing. In fact, the next day, every Eastern Conference team plays. And again, the Sabres have two more games. So we have this, you know, possible scenario wow. where could the Islanders be the quote-unquote <laughs> leader in the clubhouse and yet have to sit back and root for the Ottawa Senators to beat Buffalo and root for Columbus to beat Buffalo? If the Sabres can, you know, hang within three points of the Islanders into that last game. You know what? They still have a chance to jump them if they win both of them. And, and obviously for Washington, two head to head matchups, they got to win them both. They got to win them both in regulation. So for me, it's still, you know, the Islanders and Penguins, the favorites for the two spots. Florida has really struggled of late after a hot run. They've dropped three straight. And because, you know, Buffalo has the two games that they'll play after the Islanders are done and Washington has the two head to head. That's kind of where I see the race right now. I'm I'm kind of putting Ottawa and Detroit out of it now as they've fallen a little yeah. too far behind and, and just have too many teams to jump over.
1: Fans are going to love that scenario if that
4: happens. <laughs> you just, just a attack, to it, right? You want to control your own destiny. That's the thing, Stephanie. Right. you don't want to be, you know, the Islanders on that night of April 12th, they'll finish against Montreal. Let's say they win the game and they haven't clinched. You know, it'd even be a weird thing for me as a broadcaster, like not knowing, have I done my last game of the season? Or, you know, do I get to come back and do the playoffs or not? So you just want that certainty that you took care of your own business and you're not going to have to sit back the next two nights and sweat out two out-of-town games where you're hoping, again, Ottawa can beat Buffalo and Columbus can beat Buffalo. Or, again, who knows, even some of the other teams, again, all play the next night too. So it could be a team that's one point behind the Islanders that plays on April 13th and only needs two points to jump over them as well. So that's why, you know, as Sean mentioned this, Week is so big to kind of try to stretch it out a little bit, as he said. Had they won last night, it would have been a six-point lead over Florida, and you certainly could have breathed a little easier.
1: Hey, Columbus is a dangerous team. So, <laughs> um, yeah. onto some positive news, Kinger Zach Parise, thirty-eight years old, games and uh, goals in four straight gets to twenty. Have you ever covered and seen a guy like this at this age still getting it done? Just the way he gets not it done, not at
4: thirty-eight. Yeah, I would say not at 38, Stefan. And again, you know, you've been watching him this week as I have. And uh, I think the the, the way, you know, you really know what he means to the team is that you and I have spent a lot of time talking – to his teammates this week about, you know, what he does out there on a nightly basis. And, you know, guys are just raving about, uh, you know, what he's still able to do, how he you know works so hard to keep himself in shape, how he still has that passion for the game. I think Lane Lambert earlier in the year described it as the dog on the bone mentality. Right. Every single shift he's out there uh, given everything he's got. So uh, kudos to him. Another 20 goal season now, 11 times that he's hit that mark in his career. And, uh, you know, he got emotional in Columbus. He really did in that post-game interview when someone relayed to him that it was just the fourth father-son duo in the National Hockey League to both have 20 goal seasons for the same franchise. And and anytime his dad, JP, his late dad, uh, Jean-Paul, is brought up, Obviously, he gets very emotional about it. And, and for me, again, I go back to the J.P. Parisi goal. I remember it well in 1975 in Game 3 at Madison Square Garden. I was actually at Game 2 of that series, the first ever playoff game at the Coliseum. So uh, I remember that night very well and how big that goal was uh, by his dad that really put the Islanders on the map, their first ever playoff series win. And to think all these years later that, you know, it's J.P.'s son who, who's having just a terrific season.
1: Um, with Horvat. Obviously there's a lot of concern about his lack of goals, none in his last 11, one over his last 12, but he's getting the chances. What are you seeing from his game? And especially on the power play too, how can you see maybe, maybe that's a way for him to get out of the slump here?
4: Yeah, I I think it's all the lack of Matt Barzell. I really do, Stefan. And I mean, obviously that affects everybody when you're talking about the guy that's been their leading scorer each of the last five years. But uh, you look at the way Horvat played when he first joined the Islanders, and the chemistry he had instantly with Barzell. I think he had three goals in his first four games. He was on fire, and the power play came to life as well. It was clicking. uh, You know, he was the perfect bumper guy spot that they were really missing. And uh, you take Matt Barzell out of that equation, though, and, and that's the difference. And I think especially on the power play, you know, Lane's been asked about it a lot, uh, even this past weekend in Columbus. He said, look, you know, zone entry is the biggest part of almost any power play. And Matt Barzell is just excellent at it. Uh, we talked to Brock Nelson about it. He said, you know, look, uh, Barzi can just see the the openings, the seams, the lanes. He draws two defenders to him a lot, and that's always going to leave somebody open. But I really love watching the power play, uh, you know, when Barzell, was healthy before he got hurt and Horvat was in that bumper spot because Barzi loves working off the half wall. Horvat seems to find the space in that bumper spot and those uh, connections were leading to goals or a lot of point blank chances too. even if it Bo didn't score uh, Barzi was getting that pass through and he was getting off wicked one-timers that, you know, would either go on net or just miss wide or become goals. So uh, the hope is obviously that, you know, Matt Barzell can still return. We're down at two and a half weeks now of regular season play to go. That's it. <laughs> Um, but I'd love to see them get back together. Uh, you know, they still haven't found the right replacement on that line and and look what they did on the weekend. They had Simon Holmstrom there on Friday in Columbus. And then they had Josh Bailey back in the lineup there last night. So they're really missing uh barzy on that spot with Horvat and Andrews Lee.
0: Yeah. I'll oh, go
4: ahead. No, I would
1: say that's a great point about the power plane zone entry because Dobson, as much as he's the quarterback, that's not really his role. And he, and he struggled to bring it over. And again, like you said, Barzal just sees, you know, he has speed first off, which helps. Yes. And he's shifty, but he knows where to go and then quickly drops it. So, yeah, great point there.
4: Yeah. and yeah, to- they call it the, the, the slingshot breakout is what that's become <laughs> known as on the power play, that little drop pass in the neutral zone. And when you've got, you know, arguably one of the fastest skaters in the National Hockey League coming through on the, on the slingshot, you're going to gain the zone pretty easily. And that's what uh, makes Matt so difficult to stop because of the speed he has and how crafty he is and what a great stick handler he is as well.
0: No doubt about it, Chris, and and Stefan mentions Noah Dobson, so I kind of want to keep it on the defense here for a little bit. Obviously, uh, some struggles back there, I mean, not only on the power play like mentioned, but but also just literally defensively, uh, giveaways, getting caught in their own zone, some struggles from Noah Dobson, some struggles even from Scott Mayfield, and... And even that, that sixth position, I guess you would call it, was that Sebastian Ajo had before he went out. You had uh, Balduke in here uh, for a couple of games now. He struggled last night. He had four giveaways. Uh, does this team miss Sebastian Ajo right now, right now to maybe settle that stuff in? And uh, you know,
4: I, Yeah, I think they do, Sean. I, I think they do. I think I had the number on, on Sebastian Ajo before the injury. I think he had 13 points in his last 26 games. So, you know, when he was chipping in with a point every other game, Obviously, the size has always been the knock against him. But I think, you know, he really had a breakthrough season and proving that, you know, he could be a top six defenseman on a National Hockey League team. So I think they miss him more than than they realize. And for Sam Bolduk, you know, it's tough right now. It was his ninth NHL game last night. uh, And I know he had that that one giveaway. And obviously, afterwards, Lane Lambert said it wasn't his best game. But the one thing I did notice and I give Lane Lambert credit for this when the Islanders pulled Semyon Varlama with about two and a half minutes to go, you know, who was out there, Sam Mm Bolduk. he was right back out there. So Lane realized, you know what, I've got an offensive minor defenseman who's, you know, got a really good shot, especially on the power play. He's good at getting it through. I think if the second unit got more time, we'd see a little bit more of that Mm -hmm. because that's where he is right now. So, Um, yeah it's been tough when you take a guy like Ajo out of the lineup just offensively what he's provided and and asking a guy in Sam Bolduc you know who could turn out to be a very good defenseman and I certainly expect him to be one to do this at only nine games in you know let's remember it was Al Arbor the uh, late legendary Islander coach who always said it takes 200 to 300 games for a defenseman to finally get comfortable in the National Hockey League and for young Sam who's just 22 years old, he's still in you know single digits in games in the NHL.
0: Right, for sure. It's funny, Chris. I thought he wasn't going to touch the ice again after that yeah. uh, cross-crease pass that he attempted yeah. earlier in the game. But but like you said, Lambert kept some confidence in him and, and gave him a shot later on. Um, just to, to pivot from that, there are some guys who have been performing really well for this team, even though it hasn't been over these last two games. But the the middle six, right, the second line of Brock Nelson, Kyle Palmieri, Pierre Engvall, then he got the Pajot line with Parise, like Stefan brought up. Maybe you can just uh, chat a little bit about how maybe that second line's come together and Engval's kind of shown that he can be a player on this team with the squad.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that really started to click when Kyle Palmieri came back from his injury. Suddenly, it seemed like he and, and Brock Nelson had great chemistry. Obviously, uh, on the left side there, it had been Zach Parisi. So that had been aligned most of the season before Palmieri went down with that injury. So Palms comes back. He and Nelson start clicking. Obviously, Brock's had, you know, an incredible season. But I like what Pierre Engvall has added on the left side there in the speed. It's the speed element of his game. Uh, You know, just really can fly in that long reach at six foot five. I know when Lou Lamarillo made the trade, he talked about his skating ability, not only the speed, but the power that he skates with. And that's the one thing that's really impressed me with him. So he's fit in nicely there. Engvall recently had that stretch of goals in three straight games. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, they've been a good trio. It's great to see Palmieri scoring a bunch lately and Brock Nelson. Boy, you know, we're all worried when he takes that big hit. We wonder how long he's going to be out for He doesn't miss a single game. And not only that, comes back and had two huge goals in Columbus, including the tying goal on the power play in the third period that at least got him the one point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess before we let you go, Chris, I don't know if you're a you're a fan of the predictions game or anything like that, but with with the way this season's been going for the Islanders, it almost seems like a, a very two steps forward, one step back sort of scenario, right? Where, you know, they, they get a three game, four game winning streak, then they maybe drop one or two, just like yeah. this week, right? And they haven't really been able to go on that long extended point streak or win streak and and we got eight games left to see what they're going to do with the rest of them, right? They have a couple of teams nipped at their, nipping at their heels here for the first wild card spot. How do you see this shaking out for the New York Islanders? Will, will they be playing mid to late April playoff hockey? <laughs> <laughs> Or, right. uh, or are we going to be wrapping up early? What do you think?
4: Yeah, well, again, Sean, I hope like we have that certainty of knowing one way yeah. or the other on April 12th when they close out at home against the Canadians and not waiting to see what everybody does the next night and even the following night in the case of Buffalo. But I do think they're going to get it done. Again, another thing I look at is the way all the other six teams in the hunt right now are all struggling. None of those yeah. teams, Pittsburgh, Florida, Buffalo, Washington, Ottawa, Detroit, they're not playing well at all. The Islanders, despite, if you want to talk about the recent struggles, still have points in 11 of the last 15 games. So, right. you know what? I think they're going to make the playoffs. The crucial thing to me is to have that first wild card spot, though. Uh, obviously, the Bruins are not a good matchup with them this year. They've lost every game they played against mm-hmm. Boston this year. Although, again, they were the underdog in the 2021 playoffs to the Bruins and took them out in six games. But I just like the matchup so much better if it's Carolina or if it's New Jersey. Um, I would even prefer New Jersey. And there's a very good chance the Devils still end up winning the division. Not that they're not a good team. They certainly are. But again, just for the playoff experience alone, the Devils are so young, so green, so inexperienced that you hope that an Islander team, you know, that's been through the playoff wars, the core has certainly for, for a number of years now, would have that distinct advantage. Obviously, in Carolina, another great team. But that team, too, has the playoff battles under their belts like the Islanders do. So I think the dream matchup for Islander fans would be the Devils. Uh, and how about this, guys? It's been since 2007, the last time the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils all made the playoffs. The Rangers and Devils obviously will. If the Islanders join, you know, it would be awesome to have all three local teams playing Stanley Cup playoff hockey.
0: Not only that, and, and to kind of uh, piggyback off your dream of the Islanders versus the Devils, it brings <laughs> you a little bit closer to maybe finally seeing an Islanders-Rangers playoff matchup in the second yeah. round if they can stick in the Metro and not go over the Atlantic to, to play Boston.
4: Yeah, that hasn't happened since 1994, and that did not go well for the Islanders. <laughs> no, if, uh, not in any way, shape, or form. Remember, it was uh, you know a Rangers sweep, and they outscored the Islanders 22 to three. So, uh, you know that was that was a tough series for Ron Hextall in particular. But uh, yes. but yeah, Sean, absolutely. Islanders Rangers. You know the rivalry was built on the playoff matchups. You know yeah. we come full circle here. I, I started by talking about Jack, uh, JP Parisi and the big goal in the 1975 playoffs, right? The first playoff series ever between those two teams. They played eight times in the postseason season islanders have won five of those series rangers have won three but you think about you know when the islanders went to the stanley cup finals five years in a row four of those trips went through the rangers to get there so uh those playoff wars in the early 80s are really what made that rivalry what it is today
0: well chris i have my fingers crossed for it but they obviously got to get in first always a pleasure having you on the show thank you so much for your time tonight and looking forward to next time
4: thanks Kieran. oh thanks Sean. thanks stefan always great talking hockey with you
0: you gotta take care chris all right, folks, that was the great Chris King, the Islanders Radio play-by-play voice, giving us another excellent spot here. Stefan, what do you think? Isles Devils? Is that the dream matchup?
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay. Um, again, it's experience. Kinger nailed it on the head with that. You look at Carolina, they've done it. Mm. You know, they haven't won, but they've been right. in the playoffs. They know what it takes. They have a great coach. I'm not saying the devils don't have a great coach in lindy ruff but sure. again you're talking about a young team just not even not every player is young but just playoff experience And the islanders for some strange reason they get to the playoffs <laughs> and it's just a different animal they know what it right. takes to play and right now yeah. take away these last two games the islanders have been playing for a, a while now playoff hockey you know they're going back right. to the trot's way again more because Barzal has been out but it's worked you know yeah. they've realized okay you know we tried to be more offensive early in the year but once the, one, the structure is as strong as it had been, especially on their three-game winning streak. It just allows for so much more for this team, more offensive chances, less pressure on the net miners to have to be perfect. Mm. And you go to the playoffs, and yes, Jack Hughes, amazing, and speed again, speed kills. But when the Islanders yeah. are forechecking the way they've been forechecking, that is, the, I mean, that's the best way to stop momentum. You know, if you're right. always on the forecheck. They can't just break out and cross over the, in the neutral zone with speed. That mm. it changes everything. And when the Islanders are playing their playoff hockey, they're for checking hard. They're not allowing pucks to get out. And the best uh, defense is offense. So if you're keeping the puck in the offensive zone, those top players on the other teams, like the Hugheses, mm. like the Mercers, they gotta just dump and change. They don't have the the right. speed and the the energy to break over the line. So I think, yeah, if you're if you're the Islanders, you would love to face the Devils.
0: Well, isn't it nice that we're sitting here? What you know, a couple of weeks, you know. You look at the end of January and going into February, we were there's a lot of fans that were already ready to write the season off. Sell, sell, sell. I mean,
1: January was atrocious. It
0: was, yeah, exactly. And you're leading up to the to the deadline through February. They're starting to get back and ship away a little bit, but you still kind of have fans that are like, "All right, the season's done. Sell, you know, get rid of Arlamov, get rid of Mayfield, get some draft picks back. You know, you know, rebuild the cupboard and all that." And here we are sitting with eight games left to go in the season, and now the Islanders have a chance to kind of pick their opponent here if they just perform better than they did this past week. Because, look, they, they get to a point where leading into this week, as I was talking about it before, right, and they have that huge win against Toronto. And the games in hand come back, and they're all even. And the Islands are, you know, what, three points up on Pittsburgh at the time, four points up on Florida. And they're really in the driver's seat. And then they take the wheel, and they just veer it right into the divider this past no week right? No signal either. No signal. Everyone behind them, yeah. And, and that's the, the way this kind of this season's kind of gone for them. But, look, they're still there. They're still in that first. Wild card spot, and maybe they need another game like a Toronto game in the sense of the competition side. Perfect, Tampa. Perfect example. Well, Tampa, Devils. Well, they're coming. The yeah, Devils are yeah. coming up on Tuesday. Uh, sorry, be- tomorrow, Monday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Getting my days right. They're coming to town tomorrow. I think that's a great game to bounce back with because this is a potential now playoff opponent where they can kind of show you know the devils like you know how the the experienced guys can play playoff hockey and I, and i do agree with you and and chris in the sense that you know, even though the Devils do have that speed, they have that youthful energy on that team, it seems like a lot of those teams where they finally break through into the playoffs, a good young team, they always seem to have to cut their teeth right, in their first one, you know, couple of playoff appearances where they really understand what it's like to play playoff hockey. And I think you guys are right in the sense that that is something that the Islanders can take advantage of if they match up against the New Jersey Devils. So to, to agree with Chris... Anybody but Boston, in the sense that you can you can either play against a Svechcovlis Shve- <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes or a young, inexperienced Devils team who may be a little you know playoff starstruck when they get into the dance. So just keep winning these damn games; they can stay in the driver's seat even though even though they bump got bumpy in the road a little bit, and and maybe they still got a shot for that seventh seed.
1: I mean, again, as much as Boston, nobody wants to play Boston. I don't I think no team wants to play the Islanders just because what they're able to do in the playoffs and again as good as Boston's been and as good as Omar has right. been Omar has never played in the postseason. I'm not saying he can't have a good right I'm no. not saying he can't have a good showing but goaltending is so important in the playoffs, and I'm not right. saying Sorokin's better than Olmark, but Sorokin also does have the playoff experience, right? How and how, he's
0: stolen series. How's the Jersey goaltending going to match up against Ilya yeah. Sorokin? Vitek right, you take
1: Vanacek. I mean, again, he's been really good. He's been a really, sure. really good surprise. Yeah. And he has, I think, a little bit of playoff experience. Maybe one playoff, run yeah, with, with the Washington, Capitals, right? But again, that's it's brand new. especially when that Devils team is going to have to rely heavily on their goaltending because the young guys will make mistakes.
0: Any team that the Islanders match up against, again, save for maybe Olmark with Boston, the Island, it's advantage Islanders. Yeah, for sure. And team.
1: especially if they play the defensive style and just their right. defense core plays right. the way... It's played in postseason right. before, and especially at some points this year.
0: For sure. Well, let's get there first. But yeah. I th- there was a – before we uh, move on to the next segment, I think there was one more individual you wanted to talk about, and that was Josh Bailey. He got into the lineup last night uh, on that top line with Anders Lee and Bo Horvat. What did you see out of his game? And and I was I was tempted to bring it up with, with Chris, but I figured I'd save it for you because it's funny. You talk about a guy like Zach Parisi, right, 38 years old. He's up there in his high 30s now. Bailey's basically in his mid to high 30s now, and it's almost like a tale of two different players in the sense of how that, you know, you look at and you, you just assume, right, oh, it must be an age thing, right? It must be a guy who's just getting a little older and the game is kind of, you know, catching up with him a little bit. Is that what you're seeing out of Josh Bailey?
1: Yeah, and, it, and it's and it's just, it's not weird because he's, you know, yesterday was just a microcosm of his season. It was just, right. he, he was slow, he was mm-hmm. making, you know, poor decisions with the puck. Mm-hmm. And again, unfortunately, you know, Holmstrom has to come out. And in my opinion, I'm, I wasn't against Holmstrom coming out. I get people think it was an overreaction. He was really bad against Columbus. And you, when you have a veteran like Bailey Lambert's hope is that okay Holmstrom has to learn that, mm. that he can't play like that. You put Bailey in and just hope that Bailey can get through it, but it was quickly showing that he couldn't. And then you separate your right. fourth line. Now you're again to me, you don't want to do that. That's the same reason mm. why Paul not up on the top line or Fashion whatever is because you want you know the fourth line especially. You know, Club Rock Potts, two against Toronto. He took a little bit of time to get back in the lineup. Again, 20 games he missed. He had to get used to it. But then the fourth line was playing to their identity. Now you break that up. You put Bailey there. That does change a lot.
0: You have 11 out of 12 spots in that forward group right now that are pretty much where they're supposed to be. For sure. Right? Yeah. You love what's going on from second line down, for the most part. I'm sure people have their gripes out there with one guy or another for one reason or another. But for the most part, 11 out of 12 spots, nice. Right? It's just that one spot. We're all waiting for Matt Barzell, and unfortunately, they haven't found the guy who can fill that gap right now to give those guys that they would be playing with a little bit of a boost, like Lee and Horvat, and also just kind of make you know more of a, a an offensive threat, like we were talking about before. So I think you know, unfortunately, Lambert is just going to have to try to keep. Throwing different, you know, elements into the potion, into the pot here until until you know somebody kind of just at least at least doesn't make that line a liability. And not to say that I, I think that they have been, but they certainly haven't been the weapon they could be and should be.
1: Yeah, and I think I think Holmstrom's coming back in against the Devils. I, I agree. I, and I, again, Holmstrom has had opportunity after opportunity to show that he could play in that top line role. I don't think he's a top line player yet. I think bottom six defensively sound. I think eventually he'll be able to play on the PK. He's got that defensive instincts. Mm -hmm. He's just not bringing offense. And I talked to him one-on-one about his season as a whole, right before he scored against, I think he scored against Toronto. I talked to him and I said, you know, just take me through what's been going. And he goes, I have more to give. Like, I know I have more to give. I have, I, you know, I stayed in the lineup because of my defense, but I know I could provide, I mean, we saw it against the hurricanes, that filthy Austin Matthews toe drag top shelf goal. I mean, he has it. It's there. But, again, you're in the NHL, and it's all about results. And you're not getting the results with him there. And, again, he's not playing with weak players. He's playing with Horvath. Right. He's playing with Lee.
0: Right. And, um, right. unfortunately... He's being given an opportunity to succeed. Yeah, and, and yeah. he's
1: not making the most of it. And, again, it's he's young, too. And uh, maybe it comes down to did... did uh, again, no one knew that Barzal was going to get hurt, but maybe Lou could have got another piece. You know, maybe... You know, They got Engval to counteract. I saw people talking about it, so I wanted to bring it up.
0: Well, I saw Kevin Kurz put a piece on the athletic, and I enjoy his content. But I did read that piece and was
1: like, Really? Like, now we're doing a retrospective on the trade deadline because they dropped a couple of games against Columbus and and Buffalo. And again, no one knew Mm. that. It's one thing if Barzal was out. I I thought, I truly think, you know, people were asking, you know, does Lou get a new con? I think if the Islanders make the playoffs, Lou got Horvat. And then I mean that, that changed I Horvath. could talk about how he's changed the he saved the Islander season. If they get in, he's a huge
0: reason why they got in.
1: I mean without a doubt. Forget Barzall being out. Horvat became Pajot while Pajot was out. You think about it, they don't get Horvat, right? Barzall goes down right. anyway. Right. Pajot goes down anyway. Yeah.
0: Who who was he was going in? Up for both of those guys while they were out. Yeah. And
1: people complain still and it's again, <laughs> we get it. It's it's goals, yeah, goals, yeah, goals. Yeah. Of course.
0: Stat sheet, stat sheet.
1: This is not fantasy hockey. Right. Like there's so much more that matters. He was winning over fifty percent of his faceoffs. He was on the power play. He was on the penalty kill. He's a leader in that room. If anything, he took attention again. Top D pairs are playing against him still. Mm-hmm. Now it changes everything. So the people that think you know he's not worth the money, well, first off, they paid him a little more to keep on the island. So we got to stop talking contracts. And you can't you can't talk about contracts now. until you see the length of the contract? If the Islanders go and win a cup with him, <laughs> right? It, it doesn't or, matter. So or let's think,
0: see what he does in the playoffs if they get there.
1: It's kind of. I have a
0: feeling he's going to make people pretty happy when they get to the playoffs.
1: We'll see what happens and if they make the playoffs. But it's, yeah. it seems like more of that Kyle Palmieri type thing where he comes over from Dead Devils, does nothing in the regular season, and then look at that goes off in the playoffs. Maybe he just maybe honestly, maybe Horvath just needs the beard.
0: <laughs> it could be as simple as some facial hair maybe it, it could and, be but then that's when you bring to question does Lou Lamarello come back because if it is the beard then you might have to get rid of Lou what a conundrum that is but yeah but
1: people <laughs> that think that Lou's done a bad job and I, I get it you want to do that but going and getting Pierre Engvall because you needed speed in the lineup and it's and now I mean it took a couple like of games game. but he's looking pretty a, good he's a very strong player mm. and that's a that's a smart move by a GM before yeah. the deadline, too, to go and get a guy that he's familiar with because, again, mm-hmm. he, he was there he didn't know him that much with Toronto, but right. he knew the player, mm-hmm. he brought the speed, and the Islanders were lacking speed, and Barzal was down. I thought that was a heads-up move for him to make, and if they could re-sign him and he wants to stay here, cool, because, again, speed kills, especially in the regular season because it's such a different game. Mm-hmm. You need speed. We've seen it. All these teams that are the top teams have speed, and then you get to the playoffs, and that's sometimes where those creative players struggle. Right, But you need speed to get through the regular season. It's such a young league, and that's how you keep up with those guys.
0: No question about it, Stefan. And folks, before we break for what's on tab, I want to tell you all about Main Street Board Game Cafe located in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game for you. From old favorites to the hottest new releases, we have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, or Game Night Live communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. So, folks, with that, I want to thank you once more for tuning into twitch.tv slash hockey night and why and your favorite podcast providers. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for What's on...
3: miss the days of mixtapes and arcades love the taste of a bold ipa or maybe an ice cold lager there's a place where all of those magical things come together lost farmer brewing company at 63a east 2nd street in the heart of mineola lost farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly radical and totally tubular the retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. You're not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu. You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer.
0: And now, it's time for What's on Tap, a look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. Jay, you look like you're having fun back there, man. How we doing? <laughs> we, need to, we need to get you a microphone, too, man. It's just, no, we it's just no, we don't. <laughs> no,
1: hey,
0: we <what's> don't. <laughs> well, it is time for What's on Tap. Hey, he did a great job. Whoever did that, he did a great job. Yeah. So it's time for What's on Tap. Let's take a look at the games ahead for the New York Islanders. A little bit of a busier week after the Islanders slowed it down a little bit in the first half of March. So we're starting tomorrow. The New Jersey Devils, as we said before, come into town. Then Wednesday, the Islanders start a little road trip. They go into D.C. to face the Washington Capitals, then a a nice little back-to-back against the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes Saturday and Sunday. Visiting both of those cities is going to be a little tough. And remember, folks, Sunday, viewing party, Lost Farmer Brewing Company. We're going to be watching that game there. We're going to have the pregame at 5 o'clock. Puck drops at 6 o'clock, going to be a lot of fun. But, Stefan, you look at that schedule ahead, and how does that make you feel? (laughs)
1: <laughs> if after the last two games, um, yeah, <laughs> they probably sweep the back to back against Tampa, right? and Carolina. That's, that's, and that's just that's how that would happen. work. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's listen, you had the chance to, like we said, to pad your wild card lead. You didn't, and now the schedule gets exponentially tougher. And again, people mm. could look at the Devils, Tampa, um, Carolina. Maybe they rest players mm-hmm. late in the season. We've sure. seen that Boston today. Right. Um, they rested a couple. Okay, so. You might get that. The Islanders might get lucky with that. Tampa mm-hmm. especially have some older guys they want to rest. But yeah. at the same time, you know, you could look at the Devil and say they're not playing for anything. Well, we just talked about it. They are. They want to win the division. Sure. So it's not like they're going to, you know, come out and be, you know, we're not going to go hard. Like yeah, gonna, no, they,
0: it's going to be a tough game.
1: Yeah, and again, it's a statement win for the Islanders. They could pick one up against the Devils just for them. Again, you don't want to make it a three-game losing streak. Again, going right. into a, a huge game against the Caps. Because the Caps, it's so funny. Not funny, actually, but the Caps sold. You know, right. they, they sold, they right. but they're, I mean, when you have Ovechkin mm-hmm. and Carlson comes back and mm-hmm. Carlson coming back from the injury that he had, um, the group's probably ready to go. I mean, they're not giving up.
0: Exactly. So
1: no, first off, no, you know, there's tanking and everyone says, yeah, teams tank. And I agree mm-hmm. that teams do tank, but players don't tank and coaches don't tank. Right. GMs tank. Right. So the players, like look at Columbus, they were blocking shots early in the first period, like five or six right off the bat in the third period and they're blocking shots. Yeah. Those players want to win.
0: And they're all playing for jobs too. They're looking ahead to next season.
1: Yeah. You know? A lot of these guys have yeah. to earn a job. So right. I think um, you know, no team is going to not try with uh, two weeks left, but I think sure. for the Islanders you got to get points too. Again, as much as wins are important, you got to find a way to get points back that you just lost.
0: That's the key right there. This is this is the f- the favor that the Islanders didn't do for themselves. Yeah. Because they didn't take care of the two teams they were supposed to beat this weekend, this means they now have to beat a couple of teams that they're not expected to or, or supposed to beat. Right when you look at the Carolinas and the Tampas and the Jerseys, right, they're going to have to squeak out some wins against these teams. Yeah, the end of the schedule is 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 a little better, right? You have Philly and Montreal to close it out. And Washington leads into those two games, right? I mean, you look at Washington as a team that are you know are below the Islanders, but they give the Islanders a hard time every time they, they play. Just lost
1: five one to them.
0: That's my point, exactly. Yeah. So so they're going to have to quote unquote steal some points now from some of these better teams. They really could have. You know, they could have gone into this week even saying, okay, we take a loss here, maybe we take a loss there because you took four points out of the Blue Jackets and the Sabres. Didn't happen. And now they got to come out and they got to kick some ass this week. That's just the way it is because Pittsburgh and, and Florida, they're going to win a couple of games, you know, going forward too. So they put themselves in a spot where they're still there. They still control their destiny for the most part, but they're actually going to have to follow through and win some of these games.
1: And one point to make, which again, and why it's critical that the Islanders didn't win in regulation against Columbus and they didn't get a regular win against Buffalo is that the tiebreakers regulation wins. And while they have, I think five or six games up on Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh for that, they don't got to worry about Florida it. is it's one Florida. game back of regulation win of tying the Islanders in that category. So again, you missed out on not just points, but regulation wins, which right. is the tiebreakers. And we just talked about it with Chris King. The Islanders finished first before everyone else. So if you're tied yeah. and you're relying on teams not only to lose, I didn't realize that, but they got to lose in regulation.
0: I mean, how how awful <laughs> would it be if they finish out their season and, like Chris King said, like they're ahead enough, you know, not enough to to be comfortable. Like they don't have that star next to their name yet, or they haven't clinched the seven spot yet, or anything like that, and they literally have to sit and wait to see if Pittsburgh wins their final game or Florida wins their final game to see where they stand. I mean, imagine imagine being ahead of both of those teams by a point or something like that, and they both go in with their last game and they bump them out.
1: It reminds me, well, first, of my dad's birthday is April 12th, which is the honors last game. Okay. So um, I'll be fine. Um, but okay. uh, it reminds me of the year that Tavares was going neck and neck with Ben for the most goals in the season. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And yeah, Tavares scored, right? and then the late game was mm-hmm. Ben, and he scores an empty netter to take uh-huh, that. So uh-huh. that's kind of what it reminds you of. You're, you're waiting to see. But, yeah, that would be... First off, that's why we love this sport and this sure, league. Because sure. this, first off, the whole year, this has been a, a fight. Uh, you know, not more than three teams right. than it is now. But this has been the most intense that I can remember how close it's been. And that's why we love this sport. Because, again, as much as of Freedoms didn't want to see them lose to Columbus, the last-placed team in the league... Beat a team that's in a playoff spot. Mm -hmm. And again, that's why we love this sport because any team can beat any team. In other sports, you can't can't say that, you know, at most Well, that's
0: that's actually a point I wanted to make about these past two games. Like, at the end of the day, there's no excuse to take one out of four points against teams at the bottom of the league, you know, period, 100%. But to what you just said, though, this is a sport where there's no – like, yeah, you have your Bostons, which doesn't happen all the time, right? I mean, the last time they happened historic. was that Tampa season, right? Yeah. Who ended up... That was historic, too. They ended up getting bounced out in the first round. I'm not Sweet. even saying that's going to happen this time. But... Any team can win on any given night in the sport. Yeah, and and sometimes it literally does come down to a bounce here and a bounce there. Even if even if the Islanders or any team, they come out, they play their best game, they're they're back checking, they're not giving up turnovers. But sometimes you get bounces going the wrong way. You get a board battle that goes the wrong way. A puck hits a referee, and all of a sudden it's in the back of your net. Whatever it is, I'm not saying that's even why they lost these last two games. But hockey is that tight where over an 82-game season, you are going to lose to these bad teams. The top teams in the league lose to bad teams in the league. So again, not an excuse, but it's just to try to give a little bit more of an understanding of of why this happens and that it's going to happen no matter what teams you're talking about. So, I mean, again, it's the beauty of the game, but it also it's it's the heart attack of the game too because you look at what happened these last two games and everybody's going to be saying, what if especially if things don't go their way between now and the end of the season.
1: And you made a good point, you know, any team can beat any team. And that's why I think the loss to Columbus especially is so disappointing because, again, the Islanders played their A game. They could lose that game. The problem was they didn't come ready to play per Kyle Palmieri. So, like, again, it's one thing to, you know, get dominated by a goal and you just can't beat them and you're playing the right way, you're playing the right way and you lose. It's it's not, I guess now at this point in the season, it doesn't matter how you lose, you lose. But again, if you're playing the right way and you just don't win, that's you know, you could swallow that. That's okay. Right. But to not come out flat and not be ready to go against a bottom feeder and then lose, right? That's the issue. That's the issue that I think a lot of people have an issue with. Because again, if they beat Buffalo and lost to Columbus, it doesn't matter.
0: That that Buffalo game was heading towards overtime yep. until a puck goes off an errand skate, I think it was, and it just ends Scott up
1: Scott Mayfield turnover.
0: Yeah, we can't um, forget about that. For sure.
1: <laughs> but again, I mean that's that's Kyle Poso. Being in the right spot, the puck deflecting, Varlama's trying to fight through a screen from right Bayfield, stays on the ice. It's a fluke goal. It's broken right. play. Right. And, and Lee talked about it too, and I do agree with him. He said, you know, anyone could have won that game. That was so close. And yeah. I don't think the Islanders played, at, you know, tough first period for sure. And I agree with right. Kinger. Right. They really woke up in the second. They played. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, I don't think um, Hutchinson. Not, was it not Hutchinson? Um, Comrie played right. amazing. Conway, yeah. They didn't really test him that much, but, you know, it's just. Again, it's, you, gotta, you can't come out flat, especially when if you do get yeah. to the playoffs. Good teams, you know, you're not going to come back like they've been coming back this year. That's helped you get to where you are in the regular season, but in the playoffs, you go down three goals, two goals early. Those teams know not at to close the deal. That's why they're you know, in the playoffs.
0: Well, as far as what's on tap goes, it's going to be a tough week for the Islanders, but they got to take some points in, in this week to, to kind of solidify their spot here in the playoffs. We'll see if that happens. Ed, are you ready for Hero of the Week? Yes, you are. That's yes. right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's right, how, Post. How about that? When you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Blue Liner, featuring chicken cutlet, bacon, melted American, Russian dressing on a toasted garlic hero. Stop on in to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location. Mention Hockey Night in New York for half off the Blue Liner. So, Stefan Rosner, I'm going to go to you first. Who is your Hero
1: of the Week? Yeah, we talked about it with Kinger, but it's got to be Zach Parise okay. for me again. Take the age aside being 38, goals in four straight. The guy just you never see him take a shift off. And I I spoke to him in the locker room after he missed a morning skate, which he doesn't do often. And I said, you know, every time you miss a skate, we get nervous. Because I said, you know, you're always at every skate, you know, why? And he goes, Yeah, dude, I just love it. And that's why he's still playing at a high level at at 38 years old. It's why he potted twenty goals. And again, look at his contract. I know it's a base salary of seven fifty K, which is a league minimum. He gets bonus money that gets him over a million. This guy's doing what he's doing, not for the money at this point. Right. He's doing. He could have gotten more money it's for the sure. The love of the game. But it, but it truly is with him. <laughs> and he the Islanders. See, and yeah. the Islanders. But yeah. again, the work ethic. No matter if the Islanders and he's have still a, getting paid. Have a, and yeah, that that's that is true. He is potting a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. He's but, doing all right. He's doing okay. But it's yeah. just even when the Islanders are struggling, you can never look at Parise and say, you know, he took a shift off. He doesn't. Maybe that's because he's getting up there and aged into now, and it's like you know he has to soak it all in. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's coming to an end at some point. But he's been like that his whole career. Yeah. And that's why, again, that's why he's still in the league playing well. 20 goals, maybe that's not, a, you know, he doesn't really care much about the scoring, but again, another guy, power play, penalty kill, yeah. block shots, you know, Leadership. he's out there in critical moments. Yeah. And again, he's just one of those guys that Kinger talked about how, how much his teammates love it. I know he's maybe not a vocal leader in the room again. He doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. He leads, by example, on the sure. ice. And you could tell, and at, when you, Another teammate scores. He almost looks more excited, right, right, right. to be a part of it with yes, him. When yes, yes. Oh, I remember when Holmstrom first came up. I talked to Breeze a lot about him, and he kept mm-hmm. saying, "We knew from training camp this kid's going to be a stud." We love him. Yeah, yeah. It just he loves the game. Right. He loves his teammates, and I think again, crunch time playoff experience. A guy that's gotten close again, never won, and you know he got he got to the finals with the Devils, and they lost to the Kings, but. Just his love for the game. It's the emotion he plays with. It's something that all of his teammates can use to their advantage.
0: No doubt about it. I like the pick, but I went into a a different direction. I went with Pascal Clutterbuck. (laughs) With his first three-point game of his career. Two goals and an assist versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Snipes. 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 The dude can shoot when he gets the opportunity. He's got one of the best
1: releases on the team.
0: He's had... You know, over the course of – he's been on this team for a long time now. Yep. And over the course of that time, like how many goals has he scored coming down the wing, you know, firing a shot over the goalie's glove or over the goalie's shoulder from basically like the hash marks, you know, the, the face-off circle. I, right? would,
1: I would say more than – eighty. I would say 85%. Right? Yeah, I'm not no. good at math, but that sounds right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with 80%. But the guy's got a shot. But, look, he, he had the injury. This guy's been up and down with injuries for basically almost the the entire the entirety of his Islander career, right? So to see him come back – Play a big factor in this huge win against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which feels like ancient history now, way way back on, on Tuesday night. But first uh, plus four for him in his career as well, so big game. So I love the Parisi pick, but a uh, little hat's off to Cal Clutterbuck too.
1: Oh, For sure, and like you said, it's just his release is so quick, and people don't, you know, the defense backs up a little bit because they're not right. expecting it, and yeah. he makes them pay for that. He, he did it there. so
2: Yes, he does. So, Ed, Jay, how we doing over there, fellas? Uh, well, I was going right into questions, Bruin I didn't think you were going to lead with me.
1: I just Bruin, like to hear how you're doing, man.
2: Yeah. How, you know, how are you?
1: Seems like a cry for help, man. Are you are you good?
2: <laughs> I'm going to hit questions, Bruin one more time. Okay. It's time for questions, <laughs> bro. Fair enough. <laughs> to you <by> what?
0: <laughs> <Farmer>. <laughs> we didn't really get to hear it. It's okay. You were talking over it.
2: Well, folks, it is That's time for it. questions, Bruin. Bruin brought to you by... <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. What, what we need is we need to give Jay a mic.
1: We, that's, we, no, we, we, we really don't. That's very anti-microphone yeah, I am, uh, for Jay.
2: Yeah, that's I don't why. interesting. We'll have to talk about that after the show.
1: We got to talk to HR. Yeah. But, uh,
0: but, but Ed, how, how are we doing in the chat, man?
2: We're, we're fired up here tonight. Yeah, I, I had a feeling that you. was going to be
0: Give the Give us some T-boil
2: first. Let's get it, let go. <laughs> T-boil. <laughs> we know he's ready. We know I he's mean, ready. I mean, before the show started, T-boil had a questions brewing. Okay. So thank you, Tom, for always being ever active Yes, indeed. Tom Boyle asks, "Why is Scott Mayfield still on the Islanders? Mm. He is one of the worst defensemen in the league. He is a pylon out there. Oh, Uh. any thoughts on this? Oh, thoughts. Um, I disagree. Yeah, (laughs) I I disagree as well. I
0: disagree. I don't think he's one of the worst defensemen in the league. I, I certainly don't think he's a pylon. I do think that." This is probably the most he's struggled as a New York Islander, maybe since he was a rookie, maybe since he first came in. It's hard for me to remember back that far, but he's I, he's been more noticeable for the wrong reasons this season, I feel like, and yes, Tom, I've, I've seen what you're seeing to a degree where he's had some turnovers, he's had some tough plays, maybe some poor decisions, but I uh, I am not ready to cast him off into the sun, <laughs> as you are. Uh, he's still an important part of this team, and he and he's gonna have to be going forward because there's there's really no other options there. We just talked about you know the musical chairs that we've been playing with the with the Sebastian Ajo spot, and he's gonna have to be a solid player on this team. I think he still is, and look. Team, players are going to struggle every now and then, and this happens to be a, a time for for Scott Mayfield. But uh, all in all, I think he's a guy who's who's going to be fine for this team if he continues his Islander career past past this season.
1: And he's had a couple of games recently that weren't great, but overall, since being paired with Adam Pellick, he's, he's looked much much better. Which and again, sense. look at his season. He starts yeah. with a question mark as a D pair. He starts with right. Robin Sallow. Yeah. yeah, doesn't help him at all. Sure, really. Then he gets Aho, and Aho struggled to start. Caught fire. Then he, moving him up and down with Pelik out and mm. the D pairs. But I think with Pelik overall, he's it's been night and, like, night and day. The same thing you could say with with Pulak and Romanov. Mm. They've looked good. Again, a couple mistakes. And unfortunately, a turnover yesterday leads to the goal that they lose on. But the same way, like you, you look at the Bailey's mistake there as well. Islanders didn't score a goal. So yes, that was one mm-hmm. mistake. That's one goal. They didn't score. They weren't winning that game. They didn't win right. that game. So it's very hard to blame one guy. And again, Scott Mayfield has the playoff experience. Remember that snipe on Vasilevsky? The oh, guy that was ships huge. in
0: offense every now and then. Yeah. He gets
1: both. and he set a career high in, in goals, I'm pretty sure, this year, and I think points. So, I mean, mm-hmm. again, we'll see what he commands on the market. I, I would think that there's already a contract in place because that's how Ludo's business, and he's sure. pretty good at retaining, especially defensively. He team. has been. He so, has been, yeah. again, I wouldn't call him a pylon. There are certainly pylons in this league, and I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't call him one.
2: Yeah. All right, what else right, Well got? said. All, All right, time. next one from NZAB09. NZAB. When are they going to try different things on the power play? They've run the same guys out there over and over with the same result.
1: Ahead, I don't think they're going to. Uh, <laughs> well, one, if, if I thought if they thought that Barzal wasn't coming back, then maybe. But I, I don't think they want to switch things up to the point when Barzal comes back. It's been I don't know 15 games with Barzal not being on the you know the same unit there. Dobson has struggled, but we know that Dobson again he can't he struggled a lot to carry the puck over. Nelson's whiffed a couple of times on the one time spot but again, they're getting the chance they're not executing. It'd be a major difference if they weren't getting some chances. And again, I know a lot of sloppy play recently on the power play. I think power play two's actually looked a little better. And I think Ajo has done a better job at the point than Dobson has, especially getting shots through. I know there was one game, Pajot's first game back when he deflected one <clears throat> home. It was like a few seconds after the power play expired, but mm-hmm. technically that was the whole power play two right. unit out there. Right. So again, I think that they know that Barzal is coming back. So they're waiting the same way they're not chaining up who's going to be on that top line and separating things because they want Lee and Horvat working together. That way, when Barzal comes back, hopefully it's a slam dunk for them. So I don't think they're going to change much.
0: I still think it's Scott Gomez's fault personally.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and every coach, I mean, the Islanders' power play has not been well, good. For it's just
0: a joke to say like I think we've learned now that it's probably not the coach behind the bench who's ever running the power play, right? It's it's the personnel on the Listen, ice. Listen, most teams they're, they're not finding ways to get the puck in the net.
1: But again, Horvat's a great offensive player, but he's not the legitimate sniper that we think the Islanders do need. And that changes the power play immensely. When you have a guy that could just snipe, snipe, snipe. And I know Horvat has had power play goals this year. He was great. I think he had 11 mm-hmm. before he came over here. So, I mean, he he could score on the power play, but again, not having a guy like Barzal who facilitates does change a lot. I, if I could yeah. quickly do some power play numbers before we get there. Uh, without Barzal, 13.2% on the power play. Uh with Barzal, thirty-five point three percent, and before that's with Barzal and Horvath, thirty-five point three percent. That was a short sample size, sure. and then before Horvat came it was fifteen point five percent. They need Barzal back, and I think the power play will be just fine. And again, you know, numbers don't really matter much once you get to the playoffs. It's in that moment can they come through and create a chance, and right. you know that's that's when it does matter. So I don't think we're gonna see any changes. Well said. Thank Ed. you. All
2: right, this next question actually might include include uh, Barzal missing, but CGS eight seven eight. Why does it seem like the Islanders would rather pull the puck back towards their own goal rather than getting it across the blue line and regrouping? I get wanting to maintain control of the puck, but they seem to turn over way too often when under pressure in the D zone.
1: Is they talking about the power play there? They drop or
2: just generally speaking? I think generally speaking. Okay. I think that it's
1: I think it's structure. They just want to. It is a tough thing to you know completely discuss because again, Barzal just. When he has the puck, he he's the one that carries the puck. And I know Horvat does that at times. And Engval told me that he loves to play a 200 game and carry. Mm-hmm. But without Barzal and his ability to, again, find the lanes and skate through and, and, and peel back. And everyone hates that he peels back a lot, but he has the ability to do that. And if he could hit the point guy and get shots through, it changes everything. So I think maybe they're trying to be too structurally sound where it's okay. Mm-hmm my head's up, I know I'm going right to that guy because we don't have Barzal doing his shapeshifty stuff mm. and that pass is gone. And then right. you're you're panicking and stuff like that. So I think maybe that's what he's inferring. I, um Again, though, Barzal changes everything about this team. And I think the Islanders do have to make smarter decisions coming out of their zone. And again, it, it comes down to, you know, I haven't really seen Dobson carry the puck up and he could do it. We've seen him do it and him not doing that. Again, if you have to make many passes from your D zone up and your forwards aren't on the same page, you're going to turn it over. That's why, again so important in today's NHL to have puck-carrying defense because that eliminates the room for everyone to make a pass. You don't have to pass it every time. Same way Letty, why Letty was so important is because he could get the puck coming around his own net. He doesn't have to make that pass. He can certainly make that pass, but he can get around two or three guys, and now you're in the offensive zone.
2: Right, right. Ed, what else you got? All right, next one from Mike, 46-52. Uh, in the game against Buffalo, we looked really slow. Do you think it was fatigue, or is Buffalo that much faster than us?
0: It could have been a combination of the two in a, in a sense, I mean, but they were both coming off a back-to-back, so it's hard to use that excuse for the Islanders. Now, maybe you could say because they're an older team, a back-to-back affects them a little bit more than it would a younger team, which Buffalo certainly is. So, you know, I'm going to go with a combination of the two perhaps, but, you know, like, like Steph and, and Chris were talking about too, I think Buffalo looked a lot faster than the Islanders in the first period. You couldn't period. tell
1: that Buffalo was on a back-to-back at all
0: right yeah right but then the Islanders picked it up later on into the game and it just seems like again this is another one of those common threads for for this team all season is for for whatever reason they just have had a really hard time coming out in the beginning of games and and look when they play a faster team a younger team it's always going to show it's always going to show with the New York Islanders unless unless they're able to you know Basically, break that stuff down when they're when they're you know kind of clogging up the neutral zone when they're trying to transition and all that, right? Then it, then it isn't so noticeable. When you have a team who, like Buffalo did in spurts during the game last night, where they're able to get through pretty much untested, right? And they start to develop a you know their their game in the offensive zone, then it's 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 very stark. But the Islanders have shut that down too in the past too. They've they've beaten the Devils this season. You know they've beaten the the yeah. younger, faster teams, right? So so they just have to use their methods, their game to their advantage, where they have to. And that's why they are so key in on, on structure. That's why it's so important for this team because they can skate with the likes of the Devils, the Sabres, and, you know, pick, you know, young Team C, right? And just talk about the fact that, you know, how, how well these guys can move, you know, from, uh, from their, their own zone to the, to the offensive zone in a very short span of time. And, and um, you know, again, it becomes much more noticeable when the Islanders
2: are, are, are off their structure. Next up from a 19 Why did Martin cave Akiari's face in? Why did he let up?
1: Yeah, actually, I spoke to Martin about this. It's Achari. Um, it's all good.
2: I, I mean, <laughs> He's trying his be. best, buddy. Listen, come on. What's in Italian? It's called man
1: Noel. Jeez. In,
2: in Italian, when it's like that, it's... it's it's.
1: So, actually, this is a, a really cool thing <laughs> in the sport. Um, Martin, obviously, fighter. He's standing up for Nelson there. Achari does answer the call. Achari had just come back from a head injury. Hmm. Martin knew that. Martin uh, told Achari, hey... Can you, you're going to answer for Nelson. achary mm. agreed, and Martin understood that. Listen, he dropped the gloves. I talked to Martin. He goes, listen, I, I don't think achary was doing this on purpose. I think he's an honest player. I love his game. Credits him for answering the call, but I'm not here to try to try to hurt someone. He dropped the gloves. Obviously, I have the advantage. And again, it was enough that he dropped the gloves and answered it. The message and once was he got sent. a couple punches in, he goes, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And, and achary spoke on it too and talked about Martin and said, like, you know, Good, that's a good guy. Credit to him again because there's a code. You know, Achari right. did not have the size. And again, Martin's not, Martin said, listen, I'm not going to beat someone when, on the, when they're on the ice. And I think, you know, people saw that as a let-up. Like, what are you doing? You got to get back. I think it was handled perfectly. And I loved every second of it as someone who thinks that fighting belongs in the sport because mm-hmm. there's a respect factor. You right. know, Char, when Char used to fight, uh, Martin did it a couple of times. Or even when Char was on the Islanders, he dropped the gloves. After the fights, they both tapped. They tapped the shoulders right. because they knew, hey, Right, You're answering right, right. the call. We're not, I don't hate like I don't hate you. Maybe there's right. times, too, when there's a major hit from behind. The two fighters are actually trying to kill each other. Right. But when it's a point like that where it's a big disadvantage when someone has a past history, mm-hmm. look at them for the answering the call. He did. He took a few punches, and, and that was that. So credit to Martin and, and Achari, too, for, for willing to do that, especially coming back from an injury.
2: That was a fantastic answer, Ed. Yeah, I actually think it's, I think it's pronounced Achiati.
1: <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm out of time. You got to put saying. a little, yeah.
2: No way. <laughs> uh, Dobber Nobson. Yes. Any truth to the rumor that Stefan is the e bug for the Devils oh, game? God. Hey. So,
1: and, so this is this is funny. Uh, I forgot what game it was, but Andrew made a joke that I was in the e bug for a game on his Twitter, and obviously Andrew's got a great following. And mm. the amount of calls and texts that I got saying "No way!" So one friend called me That's and goes. Funny. You're the e bag. I said, no, and He goes, And he goes, yes, you are. And I was like, no, I'm not. It was still he goes, no, no, I heard you are. I'm like, dude, dude if I'm it's not.
0: if it's on social media,
1: it's true. But uh, yeah, no. Um you don't want that. You don't no. <laughs> as much I as I trust, as much as I, much as I trust it. my goaltending <laughs> at the recreational men's beer league level, <laughs> I am five nine. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It says uh, it on the
0: scorecard, but we don't know if it's true. Yeah.
1: Five nine on skates. <laughs> I would get lit the F up. So, I mean, listen, I don't want to... It would be a cool experience for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, All you got to do is, uh, hey, just
0: hope it's a Toronto game. It would be fine.
1: Yeah, I, no, I'd go up against Boston <laughs> and um, get peppered. But uh, no, it would be a cool experience, sure, but I'm going to... Those rumors are not true.
2: Gotcha. All right, uh, another good one from Dabra Knobson. Lots of negativity out there over the last two games. Talk us off the ledge. What gives you hope about the Islanders and their future?
0: I think we started to do that already earlier, talking about the fact that, look, these these games are going to happen. You, you know, I know it's a cliche, and you've probably heard it from me a million and one effing times on this show, but it's true. Like, you know, unfortunately, it, the timing was absolutely horrendous, but... You're going to come up against a team like the Blue Jackets and the Sabers, and you're going to drop it from time to time. It doesn't mean that the rest of the season is over. It doesn't mean that that's how they're going to come out for the rest of the season. I mean, if anything, hang your hat on the game that they had against Toronto. Hang your hat on the games that they had previous. Hang your hat on the on the run that they went on before these two losses that they had. They've been playing great hockey for the most part since Matt Barzell went down, and they're probably going to bounce back tomorrow. I think they're going to give the Devils a good game. I'm not guaranteeing a victory or anything like that, but I think they're going to give the devs a good game tomorrow night, and I think they're going to give it you know we just talked about those other big games they have coming up tampa carolina all that they're going to be in those games and if they're not it's their own fault but you know you have to be able to look i I know it's it's very easy for fans it happens all the time we all do it where you kind of you know you you look at you have the recency bias you look at what's happened lately and you're wondering man if they can't beat those teams how the hell are they going to perform against you know the top teams in the league but but you have to remember that you know this isn't exact science here and you're going to have good games against good teams, you're going to have bad games against bad teams, and it's, it usually balances out. So if anything, I look at the the, the broader picture with, with the way the Islanders have been playing, especially recently, the most important time of the season, they've really gotten it together when the games have mattered most, and I think you're going to see more of that Islander team from here on out for the last eight games than you are, whatever you saw these last two games on the weekend.
1: And here's, here's one on that. Uh, the Islanders probably shouldn't even be in a playoff spot. If anyone behind them had a good January, look at the Islanders' January, horrific, right. Penguins' January, horrific. Capitals January horrific, Panthers horrific, and even now when the Islanders dropped two, they didn't. You know the They've Penguins and a the Panthers, the people behind them, said it on Twitter, have not been good. Yeah. So if anything to talk to you off a ledge is that the Islanders didn't play their best, and they're still where they are. Again, they could not have been in a playoff spot for the last two and a half months if the Penguins or the Capitals or the Panthers even had an okay January. So.
0: And and as much as we all love to hate the Rangers and stuff, they've helped the Islanders a lot. Beat that the comeback Penguins against a couple the Panthers in regulation. That was the huge. Panthers. Yeah. Uh, there's some other teams around the league that have done it too. Where it, and and again, lesser teams. Florida, uh, sorry, Philadelphia's beaten teams like Pittsburgh and Florida. You've had I think Columbus might have even taken one or two as well. Like if you if you go across, Detroit's stolen a couple of games from those teams. So like it happens across the board. It's not just the Islanders aren't the only team in the league that are losing the Columbus Blue Jackets and to, and to the Buffalo Sabres. It's just it just is much more na- noticeable because it's your team, and it's things when you're in a race like
1: this. I'm pretty sure Montreal is the team that put up ten on the sab- uh Is it ten on the Sabers? Yeah, I'm maybe. Pretty, I think so. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Yeah, no.
0: But the bottom line is, like, it. it, it I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, jump off the ledge. They're still holding on to that first wild card spot, and even though now with the games in hand a little bit, it looks like Pittsburgh can pass the Islanders again.
1: I don't trust them either, but yeah.
0: Yeah. It, look. <laughs> Just take care of business. Have a good week against these teams coming up, and then then we're all you know singing and dancing. And again. they
1: still control their own destiny.
2: There you go, Ed. Uh, another one from nzab 9 And just just to clarify. Unfortunately, I feel like some of our chat from earlier has been uh, cut off. Like we can't see it anymore. Like, um, so sorry to okay. those who uh, asked questions earlier, uh, but I cannot see them anymore. Okay, uh, that's so all right. NZAB asks, when is it Lambert's fault? Too many times the team has come out flat and weren't ready to play. That's a coaching thing.
1: It's a coaching thing, sure. It's also a leadership thing as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not calling out the leadership in the room saying that they don't care, they don't try, but a coach isn't playing the game. First off, I don't think that you need the coach to get you ready to go. You're in pretty much a playoff-esque situation right now. Why why is your coach the one that needs to tell you to get ready to go? Again, I understand that it's preparation and stuff, but... If you're not waking up that morning, getting ready to play a game with eight to go or nine to go, and you're not amped up, whoever the opponent is, to play, mm-hmm. you got to look at yourself in the mirror. Again, you could blame Lambert all you right. want for slow starts, but they're all professional hockey players. They all know what to stick. They're a veteran team that knows right. how important crunch time is. You have... Yes, I would think you'd have to blame everyone.
0: 19 guys that have to show up and yeah. be ready to play. And... Maybe you're just going to have games where not all 19 are ready to do that. Yeah. And, and yeah, it falls on the coaching staff a bit to to keep their mindset in the proper place. But, again, to your point, they also have to bring it themselves. And, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's kind of easy to just look at the coach sometimes and be like, ah, oh, well, they, they came out flat against these guys. Obviously, it's the coach's fault. Is it? I'm not so sure. It's a shared blame. And, you know, like when you're going on long losing streets and stuff like that, I think that's when it becomes more apparent that maybe the coaching staff has something to do with it because they're trying X, Y, Z, A, B, C to kind of get them out of the funk, and it's just not working, right? I mean, this this is a couple of games here. Good thing is they're a veteran group. They're gonna forget about them, and they're gonna come out tomorrow, and they're hopefully gonna give give Jersey a good game, and, and from then on out. But um, it's a mixed bag. There's some. There's definitely some blame blame for Lane and the coaching staff, and for the players as well.
1: I mean, you could blame Lambert for putting Bailey back in. You could blame. Um the power play and you could blame that could go right. on coaching and, but again, but, uh, getting but ready if, to play, it's like Yeah, and and
0: if a puck goes off of Bailey's shin and into the net, everybody's like, What a great decision, Lane, right? Like you and know, listen, home.
1: it'd be one thing if Holmstrom took advantage of his opportunity and that's why he was out of the lineup. He didn't. So again right. in hindsight it's a bad move, but if Bailey goes in and scores two goals and they win the game, no one's even thinking about it. He All didn't, right. but no one's thinking about. Well,
0: it. <laughs> I think that's going to do it because we're 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 getting pretty we're pretty well past uh, show time here. So unless you got one, yeah, there's
2: th- some there's some guy revving his engine out there. There is, there that's, is. He's trying to loud. tell that us that to is get not off me the on the soundboard. <laughs> that is that is a real human being out there. Uh, I mean, I do have another question. Um, if you,
0: we'll if do you, one uh, more,
2: and then we'll pop out. We'll do, we'll, we'll do another one. For, it for, better be for, a good one, Ed. It's not. It's not. I mean. I mean that's not on me. That's you're insulting the viewer. It's all here. on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty nineteen. Yeah. Well, this has to do with Lambert. There we go. <laughs> there we go. All, all right. right. So why didn't Lambert have Brock on the ice in the final minute of regulation against the Blue Jackets instead of Szczesny? Horvat was already on the ice for the face-off. Uh, and then he has some parentheses. Why didn't Varley start versus uh, the Blue Jackets and Sorokin versus Buffalo? Fire Lambert.
1: Okay. <laughs> Ridiculous. I'll start with the <laughs> goaltending just because that's. I looked it up why this might have happened. Um, again, you thought, okay, Varlamov gets Columbus, saves Sorokin for the better team. Varlamov had not played the Buffalo Sabres this year, but over his career, I think it was 15 games, 1.98 goals against average, mm. 930 save. He had Sabres number. And first off, Varlamov was... He was excellent last
2: night. Excellent. He was and fantastic last
1: Azagulli night. As a ghoul, just watched. He was so aggressive. He made so many key saves just because he was aggressive. He was tracking the puck well. I, I, I like the move. And again, cl- against Columbus, those goals in the second period that were tapped... I mean, I don't think Sorokin had his best game. I think he got pretty exhausted early. I think he stopped 14 in the first period. Mm. Or maybe maybe not 14, but he stopped a lot and kept him tied going into the second. So mm. I don't look at it as... They messed up there. Like, they, they lost both games with both goalies in. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And like, it wasn't Varlamov's fault. Like, like Sorokin, the
0: better goalie, played against a weaker team and still lost. So, like, you know, does that mean we all thought Varlamov would have had a better start against Columbus? You know And, what look, I mean? like, and
1: again, the goals that went in, I don't think Varlamov's saving those. You know, the, right. the tap-ins at the front, maybe, maybe one or two he saves if, if Varlamov plays the way he played on Saturday. As for the other point, is mm-hmm. why were, were they out late? You know, Lane also looks at how the game's going. You mm-hmm. have to remember, too, is who just came off the ice. I'm obviously not looking at the time on ice sheet to right. see if, if right Brock now. if Brock was
0: out the shift prior, he's not going to stay we, out there. We yeah. see
1: it a lot after the Islanders kill a penalty. And now, you know, let's say Islanders kill a penalty, Parise misses his next shift, or, mm. or Martin misses his next shift. And it's like, why said they was the lines up? Yeah, No, it's that guy is gassed. And if Lane's seeing one player, let's say he thought has had you know, looked really strong in the third period and Nelson looked a little gas, you're making those decisions. The same reason why Bolduc was out there. He put the trust in Bolduc. Hey, he didn't play that much this game. He's got energy. You know, again, what depends pairing was out there earlier, what what player was ready to go, and he's trusted. So I, I, it's hard to blame Lane looking it at, again, not knowing who came off the ice, but he's going in the, That's a gut move. Who do I think is the best right now for the situation? Stats don't matter. Top players don't matter. Again, you want your top players out there, but if one of them was gassed or, you know, felt something in his knee... right? He's putting out someone who thinks he's going to get the job done. I don't think he's trying to hurt the team.
0: <laughs> well, he's
2: certainly
1: not.
0: Sure. If that's
2: the case, you had this fine, question but... well scouted before it was asked. <laughs> yeah, it's... I almost think Trotty in 19 is a plant.
1: It's actually maybe my burner. Is. It's that's, my burner. That's, that's it's your uh, burner? Yeah. You,
2: you, you wrote that? <laughs> yeah, I did. Maybe, maybe. But
0: that's going to do it for questions brewing, folks, and that is also going to do it for the show. But... As always, want to thank you all for chiming in with your questions. It's always a lot of fun. So uh, keep bringing that energy night and night out. Even if we don't necessarily agree with with all your points, like Scott Mayfield being a pylon, I, I think I
2: think he's a pretty good player.
1: Yeah, I just want to also thank everyone too that's shown uh, you know appreciation to me for the for the new job. It's uh, crazy.
2: yeah, a lot of congrats in the chat. It, to it's you, it's you.
1: uh it's actually I there's I mean, there's no words really, just the amount of support I've had, especially when I started and. I don't know a couple of years ago I said I'm gonna make a Twitter and cover the Islanders and where it's got now and talking to players and working with Stan, I would never hear. I mean, I and never would here. have
0: Well you earned it, buddy. Yeah, you've been so busting your ass. Everything. You're working hard, man. You've been you've been putting tons and tons of content out. You have a lot of energy. I love it. And it's great that we have you here on the show too. You bring a appreciate lot of energy, and a lot of a lot of good stuff here. So uh nothing but the best to you, buddy. Congratulations and uh, you know, keep keep kicking ass, man. Appreciate it. All right. So with that, cue the music, Edzo. Alright folks, I want to thank you all for tuning in to twist.tv slash Hockey Night NY and favorite podcast providers. I want to send out a big thanks to Islanders Radio Play-By-Play Voice, Mr. Chris King, and of course a big thanks to our great, great sponsors starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho, Turnpike, and Huntington. Check them out at bluelinedeli.com Also a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 638 Second Street in Mineola. Check them out at lostfarmerbrewing.com, and once more remember, viewing party, week from tonight, Sunday, April 2nd, Islanders at Carolina, Hockey Night New York pregame show at 5 o'clock, puck drops at 6 gonna have a lot of fun there, come on down and have a good, good time. And big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Check them out at mainstboardgamecafe.com. Stefan, where can we find you and your content online?
1: Yeah, so at Stefan underscore Rosner, S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R and thehockeynews.com. Hey. So yes, if you go to thehockeynews.com, there's an NHL tab, click the plus Click on Islanders. You can find myself's work as well as Stan Fishley's.
0: There you go. You can follow myself on Twitter at Shawnee Hawk. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the TikTok for Stefan Rosner, for Ed, for Jay, for myself, Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. You guys have yourself a great rest of your Sunday night. Take care.